The sun sets over a Parisian summer evening and the dust settles for the completion of another Tour de France. It's a big hello and a warm welcome to the domestiques from wherever you're listening. I'm Mike Tomolaris. It's so great to have you along as we look back at the 2023 edition of the world's greatest cycling spectacle, Le Tour. And you know what? What an amazing three weeks it's been. One of the best in a generation, in my opinion. In today's episode, we'll look back over the last three weeks and we'll look ahead to the women's Tour de France, the Tour de Femme, which got underway as the men made their way across the finish line on the Champs-Élysées. Now, I know one person who's excited for the women's race. It's our very own Matilda Reynolds. Correct, Stills? Good morning to you. Good morning, Tomo. Good evening, Hollywood. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, You don't even have a chance to take a breath uh, between what has been one of probably the best tour we've ever seen uh, to another what will be the second La Femmes and hopefully the best women's tour we're ever going to see. So, so much to analyse, so little time. Absolutely. And all the way uh, from downtown Paris is our French correspondent, Lee Hollywood Turner. Now, Hollywood, I've got to ask you, what have you been up to since arriving in Paris. Bangjour, everybody. Bangjour. Uh, well, I was at the Watch the Race today live. I was at the uh, same place as last year, the Jayco party on the Champs of Liais. You know, I can't pronounce names or words. Uh, but yeah, we were there, Al and I, and uh, with the Jayco hospitality and Watch the Race on the rooftop terrace on the ninth floor. And it was a, a, a great spectacle today. I must say, the crowd wasn't as big as last year and I attribute that not only to the weather but last year it had the women racing beforehand which was obviously great to watch where the women were racing but many many miles away so I don't know why that was a case I asked people today and they said because you know they wanted the women to have its own standalone race but I would have personally maybe started it tomorrow to give the women some fresh air and have and and start on their own day but I'm not a race organiser. I'm just a flog on a podcast. <laughs> no, I think, well, uh, Holly, uh, sorry, Mike, if we can pause on that for a sec, Hollywood, that I, I hadn't actually thought about that, but I, I was really curious on the ground how the difference it was going to be. And like, the, there's quite a few ramifications not having the women's there because it was, it's such a party and it was such an incredible celebration yes. of cycling. Like all the sponsors are there as well. All the brands are there. Yes. A lot of the teams are there yes. and teams who have a men and women's team. But I think what you just said is like an amazing call, which I hadn't thought about is if they're going to start them at a different location, which I sort of agree with, um, that it should be on a mm. different day because you you're really splitting resources. Like even the journalists were struggling. Yeah. They had to completely split their teams um, to go to different locations. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think it's a really good call. And I, but, hey, it's still so new, the women's tour. I think they take learnings each year. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's one of them. Well, that'll be the case next year, Tils, because uh, the women's tour, I think, starts in the middle of August after the Olympic Games. So it'll be completely split in twenty four. Yeah, so and amazing to have that. it starting in the Netherlands that year as well. But, um, yeah, we're getting way too ahead of ourselves. I'm sorry. Bring it back, Mike. Bring it back. All right. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's get into it. The Tour de yeah, France yeah. is over. Jonas Vingegaard is wearing yellow for the second year in a row, and I'm sure tonight 
He's got it tucked under his pillow for the second year in a row. And he really is emerging as a Danish sporting legend. I'll ask you both, Tils, first of all, you. Do you think uh, the best rider won this year's Tour de France? Oh, absolutely. I think the best rider who – it was all in for – we've, we've said that before, but there wasn't um, – he was the, the rider within this entire tour that, um, you know, put his entire year since finishing last year's Tour de France and he pretty much didn't race again since last year's Tour de France um, and took a long time off to have it all soak in and, and put every egg in that basket and everything led up to um, – up to this race and, and we saw that we saw the very best um on the ground and i think the the big gaps we saw to pagacha um yes they were incredible at times they were unbelievable but i think the way we saw pagacha really fall off the pace and have some very difficult days makes jonas vindegaard's performance even more believable so she truly deserved it um but i think pagacha won the hearts of uh, the rest of the cycling nation yeah, definitely. And did you hear the news today that uh, Vindegaard's going to do the Vuelta? Mm. Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, I sure did. And that, that's and how is that fantastic. turning? Like that start list now: Remco, Roglic, Thomas, oh. uh, and Vindegaard. Hopefully, there to support um, uh, Roglic. Hopefully, but because you know what the issues that Roglic can have to have two a two speared attack there, yeah. they, the the Yumbo could ha- come home with the trident of Grand Tours this year. Hmm. Well, yeah, in, incredible. But it was uh, look, it was great there. Say, I started my day early, about seven thirty, riding down the Champs Elysees, and, and I was saying to Ali, I said it's just amazing. Like they're setting up, there's trucks, there's works going on, and you can ride down there. And I know, like at the Tour Down Under, they close everything so early. They scream and yell at you to get off. You can't even ride on the footpath <laughs> down the side while they're setting up in the road. Here in France, you can ride down the middle of the road while trucks and everything are going on and no one says anything. Wow. It's just so much uh, freer. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I'm shooting a video down the main street at the finishing line while there's trucks going by, workers cheering me on and you can just do what you want. Like, but they do have people standing on every corner with machine guns. So if they did tell me to stop, I wouldn't have argued. <laughs> hey, Tils, uh, you're saying the best rider did win the Tour de France, but Pogacar, really, over the last three weeks, he only had one bad day, and that was uh, stage 17, the climb to Courcheville. He famously mm. said, uh, I'm dead. Uh, I've got nothing left in the legs. Uh, and when you think about it, he really had a huge opening six months to the year. He won Paris-Nice. He won Andalusia. He won the Tour of Flanders. He won Amstel Gold. He won Flesh Wallone. He broke his wrist mm. during liege Bass on liege in April. So I'm just starting to wonder, did he take on more uh, than he could chew by starting the Tour de France and yeah, hoping but, uh, to win it? Well, I- yeah, I wouldn't say starting that Tour de France, probably starting some of those earlier stages. But I think because Jonas Vindegaard, even the races he did before the Tour de France, he didn't win. He was getting beaten in those races. So he was building mm. up so nicely. But the thing is about the Pog, though, we don't want him to change. We want him at those classics. So don't – like people have got to calm down mm-hmm. saying, oh, he needs to do this. We don't want – 
you want to, we don't want to go back to the, that age of where Froome, you know, the only thing they do is the Tour de France. But they they will say, like, hearing from UAE's, uh, you know, the Pogs team, they were saying that really he was in the best form of his life, but really the, the wrist really hurt him. And just, you know, those weeks and weeks where he was on the trainer, you can only replicate so much training indoors. And, and to have a lot of his competitors out there doing six, you know, seven-hour rides at altitude in the heat, and I think, it really came down to the heat and we spoke about that a lot. Uh, we spoke about it with Hendo because um, that stage before the time trial, Pog was foaming at the mouth. He had salt all over him. Like it's it's the damage that was done those few days before that really caught up with him, Um, you know, a few stages later when we saw him completely. F- and you can't just snap back at it. You can't just wake up the next day. And he, he was like a sieve. Everything he was putting into his body was coming out and not being utilised in his legs. But you don't want him to change. But what I find interesting, Mike, just quickly, is that he's saying he wants to be doing those races again. He wants to be doing the classics, which is really exciting. But the real risk is so high the fact that he only crashed once and that was in Liège uh was it no or was Liège yeah Mm. yeah the fact that he only crashed once is incredible um the risk is high but I hope he takes it again Mm, definitely but you got to remember the UAE still had a bloody good tour Mm. they won three stages they were in yellow like they had a you know they finished second and third on GC like you know, second and third GC, three mm. stages, day in, days in yellow. Like, what a tour. It was mm. fantastic. Like, yes, they didn't get the top step, but boy, oh, boy, that was a bloody good result for the team. Well, they got Yeah, the, and someone's uh, got to lose. That's right. Someone's, someone's got to lose. Yeah, exactly. so, and, and, and I think they still won. The, like, in terms of expectations, I think they can still, like, it was more slightly more than a pass. Well, I'd UAE say. filled yeah. uh, two of the three spots on the podium. Vingegaard won by a margin of seven minutes and 29 seconds, uh, the biggest margin in almost 10 years and one of the biggest in recent history. Uh, so Pogacar and Adam Yates finished runner-up in third place. So, as you say, uh, Hollywood, a really good Tour de France. The best of the Aussies, uh, of course, was Jai Hindley, who finished in seventh place. Let's just talk about the Australians. I think, uh, apart from Caleb Ewan, they all managed to make it to the finish line. Uh, ben O'Connor, third in one stage. Chris Harper, top 10 in a stage. I didn't I didn't see much... Fantastic. I didn't see was. much of, DSM, of the DSM riders... But I guess uh, they will take a lot out of this Tour de France, the four that started for DSM. Yeah, I think I think amazing for Matt Dinham to get round Neo Pro Aussie in his first year. But I think DSM won't be too – they can't take away too much from this tour apart from, you know, the development of some of those uh, fresh riders. But they – it could and, almost and be a fail. And like almost be a fail, yeah, and you know, for this. Exactly that. So they, they lose well, another their kid, point. Their kid's a fail. <laughs> didn't win a stage, lost um, lost their GC rider um, as well to a crash. And then Sam mm. Wellsford not even being present in any of the sprints was probably a bit surprising. Mm. Harsh but fair. Harsh Hollywood, but fair. how would you assess yeah. the overall performance of Jaco Alula? Oh, I thought it was very good. They finished fourth on GC. They got third today. They got second on another stage, fourth on another stage. So they were very close, but no cigar. But at the end of the day, you get a lot of UCI points for finishing, you know, in your top 10 and you finish, get a lot of UCI points for finishing 
the GC of in the top ten as well. So look, of course, I would have loved to win a stage. Mm. That's that's the goal. But it was uh, it was certainly a pass. Look, to finish fourth on GC was a, a, was a good result for mm. the team. And I just came from the Jayco party at the bus, and it was a good feeling. There, it was feeling a relief. And they were look, they were obviously disappointed not to win a stage. And I heard that Dylan was nearly crying after today. He was so disappointed. But the the team did well, and there's a real good spirit amongst the team. And a lot of them head off to uh, Sam San Sebastian. We I walked to the um, from the Jayco party to the bus with Chris Harper's parents and had a good chat to them. And it, look, it was uh, look, it was a good result. And Chris Harper really came of age mm. at this at this uh, Tour de France. Yeah, Dylan uh, Grunewagen just missing out by, oh, gee, the barest of margin in that in that sprint yeah. finish. Uh, let's have a look at the teams uh, who did well and the teams that didn't do so well. Uh, UAE collected two stages, Bahrain two stages, uh, Ineos two stages, Cofidis. After Matilda's spray, after Matilda's spray too, <laughs> mind you. Exactly. <laughs> Cofidis two stages, Alperson through uh, Philipson, one, two, three, four. And uh, you've got teams such as Sudal Quickstep, AG2R, Yumbo, of course, Israel, Bora and Little Trek winning a stage. But what about the teams that failed? I mean, these teams, they come to the Tour de France hoping to walk away with something. And uh, the likes of Movistar, for example, uh, nothing. Oh, Very yeah. disappointing. Yeah, I'd probably mind. say Movistar and Eos. Close. Probably. Yeah, cl- definitely yeah. close, but probably didn't show themselves then enough at the front either, and they only ended up finishing with four riders. So certainly, you know, one thing I will say about Movie Star, they are incredibly fortunate to have a women's team. Um, if you think about the last two Not to three me. years of, I cannot think of a, a star a, like a star performance in Movie Star. The only thing they've done is produce a Netflix series the men's team. And then you look mm. at the what Annemiek van Vluten has brought to that team. You just hope she is being compensated, uh, mm. you know, uh, equally for, for the amount of coverage that she she brings those sponsors and teams. So, yeah, I, I would say it was, you know, the men's tour to France was a fail, but luckily they've got the women's tour happening straight after. All right, before we go on to the women's uh, race, I just want to get your thoughts, your most memorable moments over the last three weeks mm. in the men's race. Come on, give me something. Give me something, Hollywood. I can give. I give two. Oh, you go, Hollywood. Oh well, I'll go first because Hollywood has. Oh, have you, you've got the the memory of a sieve, mate. Like, I've never no, I'm talking about today. Today, <laughs> yeah. I say my favourite memory was was Jacconi and the uh, polka dot bibs and the polka dot oh, bike and the polka no. dot head unit, polka dot helmet. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Now, can I just say as well, Jonas Vindegaard was all in yellow when he when he completely secured that that jersey. No, he wasn't. He had wore black bibs today. Did he? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, what? people. Oh, I've got I the thought... memory of a sim. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> did he, he today? I I only watched yeah, thirty seconds of the men's bibs. today. I thought on yeah, one of the climbing hours. stages, even on the on the hill, on the, the TT, on, on the TT, sta- was yeah, the yeah, yeah, one. yeah, the yeah. The TT it good wore as well. full yellow skin suit, but I take that back. Yeah, I, take did. That I was back. really disappointed with back. him today. Okay. So okay. I, I, I won't bring up the war. He didn't deserve it. <laughs> Listen, can I give you my three <laughs> Wait, memorable uh, moments? Uh, you go, Tom. Memorable moments stuck with me. Yeah, I'll go. Uh, obviously, Jai Hindley stage win, yellow jersey appearance, uh, and Jai mm-hmm. really proving that uh, he's going to be around for quite a while, challenging the likes of Vingegaard and Pogacar. 
and keeping them honest. Another moment for me happened on the weekend. In fact, the the, the next two moments happened uh, just recently. Uh, Mohoric emotional, his emotional stage oh, when mine. sticks sticks out for me. Well, it doesn't matter. It, it was a good was one. So I mean, good. he held he held back tears and spoke of the personal sacrifices uh, a pro cyclist is forced to make when tackling these huge grand tours. Mohoric made the point more so than any other sport. Would you agree with that, Till? And if I if I can just say, as alongside that, Tomo, that was actually one of the best stages. If mm. uh, if if the fans and the Australian fans, particularly who you know, you've got to really, it's such valuable time that you have to watch the stages. And um, I would highly recommend going back and watching Stage Nineteen. It was essentially a monument classics race. It was an incredible mm. stage where you had the sprinters trying to take on the rulers, and you know the the, the fact that. Horwich and Kasman Asgreen, which, which was incredible, um, to be able to come back and sort of almost take two stages back to back for mm. Quickstep, who almost had an absolute fail of a tour. Um, mm. That stage 19 would be one that I would highly recommend people watch. That was probably potentially my stage of the tour. But Tilsey made a really strong point uh, and, and it rammed home the message. I mean, these guys, they're away from their their lives from their homes for three weeks. There's no other sport where you have to stay awake for such a long time. Stay awake mm. for such yeah, a long time. Yeah, and I time. think I think there's no other, as you say, Mike, there's no other sport. Footballers don't do it. Cricketers no. get to take their wives and go home to them that afternoon. Like the, mm. they, it's not just the grand tours where they're away from their families for three weeks. It is, and and I think also when we, I was thinking about this last night with with Jonas and and the num, I, I think. I don't think these cyclists will have as long as, as in the sport as we have seen previously, like the Mark Cavendishes or Garen Thomases, because it's no longer just one training camp they're going on. They're, they're like in Sierra Nevada or in like absolute, you know, three or four times a year now before these grand tours and then before all the races they're going to, it's a huge sacrifice that they're taking. So I just, I do wonder how that'll impact the longevity. But yeah, as Mahorich spoke to, if watch the stage and then watch the finish interview. Hollywood? Mm, I, I, yeah, I, I spoke with um, actually Alan Piper today, who we had on earlier in the series and asked him if he sort of felt vindicated that Pog didn't win because remember he told us he had a difference of opinion mm. with the way he, and he said, look, that's ego. I'm not uh, about that, but I would like to talk to Pog and just say, have a break now, just have a good rest because, um, yeah, he said he just looked, he like what you were saying before, Matilda, he just looked spent in some of those stages where he just had nothing. Yeah, we don't want to see yeah, Pog burn out. Yeah, because he kept racing. No, yeah, yeah, no, he kept racing. But um, look, it was it was it was a great tour. It was like you know a, a watching an episode of Neighbours or Home and Away each day back when you were young and you're into really? it because you just wanted wanted or Melrose Place or <laughs> oh, okay, Hills nine hundred two and But you <laughs> just you couldn't say, wait Hollywood. to the next the next episode. It was like you just couldn't wait. It's like you wanted you wanted more. It's like when you. You first kiss your girlfriend, you kiss and kiss and you want more and more. You can't wait to see him again because you want more. And that's what it was like with the tour. You wanted more and more. 
Well, oh, I, like I, young love Hollywood, young love. We've learned about you. still feel that way. And we've learned about your television viewing habits as well. Two two quick things I'll add in, Thomas, just because it what seems so long ago this happened. But Victor Lefay, when he took that stage ahead of the favourites, when he took it ahead of Walt Van Art. Um, you know, that, that was incredible to see Kofidis get two stage wins. And then this is a bit of a different one, but I only bring it up because we didn't really talk about it because we had Alan Piper on that week, which was an incredible guest. But, um, I think Matteo Jorgensen's stage that he lost and, and we had Mike Woods win. It was just such an incredible stage in that there was no crowd. And I think, Uh. um, it really brought around a stark contrast from what we saw and, one thing I do want to mention that I felt quite dominant, dominated this tour was the crowd. And I, I am curious if Netflix is continuing, continuing, which it is, it is, how that will impact the crowd. Because I think we're going to see more and more unruly behavior um. where people are wanting to get on TV and not just on TV, but potentially, you know, the chance of getting on Netflix. Um, because we did see a lot of crowd interaction, incredible. Yes. When we saw Pino, Thibaut Pino Uh. and the crowd that he had yesterday, like it, yes, it it went out in the exact drama that Pino deserved. And that was the best of the crowd, but we did see some of the worst side of the crowd for this tour. So I, 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 I feel like unfortunately could ruin it for everyone. It's one of the best parts of the tour, but they are going to have to put in some pretty extreme measures to make sure they're not impacting the race. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I was going to say, say also, tools. You'd be interested. I spoke with. Mm. Um, I can't pronounce her name, but Jaco Alula has a, a a young rider from Saudi Arabia. From uh, from. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can't pronounce her name. We're friends on Instagram now, but I I was <laughs> talking to her about Saudi Arabia, and because I said I didn't think women could drive. How are you allowed to ride a bike? And she was just telling me how it's all changed, and she's leading the charge. It was such a fascinating story she's only been riding for a year and a half and it was i was so fascinated by it this young girl who's uh, signed for jaco who's from uh saudi arabia it was fascinating Mm, mm. and that's where you can see sport makes such a positive impact and difference they've got to move on if they're gonna because you can't just support men's cycling or men's sport now if you want to be involved in the sport you need to support them all it is cycling it's not Mm. men's and women's now Mm. You need before to we sign off, to Patrick Lafay or whatever his name is. Before we sign off from the men's, <laughs> uh, I just want to uh, pass on uh, my uh, thoughts to Peter Sagan. I mean, he competed mm. and completed his final uh, Tour de France. I mean, what an absolute legend. He brought so much joy to me and I'm sure millions of other people. He conquered the green jersey competition seven times. Seven times. Seven times. And at one stage, uh, he was untouchable, untouchable in the sprints. Uh, for me, the most outstanding, uh, consistent sprinter yep. of, our, of our generation. I just want to say thanks for the memory, did, Sagan. I'm gonna, did I'm you see his you. interview? Did you see his post-race no. interview? Tell me. Oh, it was fascinating because she's saying, um, will you miss it? And he just said, no, no. I'm not going to yep. miss yep. it at all. Like it yeah. was just he couldn't wait. He said he's he's tired, he's had enough. and. I think he was going to potentially go look to go to the Olympics next year in mountain biking. And he just said, mm. he's just so casual. He's like, no, I'm not going to miss this. And she's going, is it, is it deeper than that? And he's just looking at it going, no, 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 it's not. Mm. Like, but he was pretty much over it 
wasn't he since the pandemic? Like the pandemic really ruined it for him. Like when you took away the fun, like he wouldn't train indoors. And that's where you really saw the rest of the the peloton move on without him. And I think he's not been enjoying it. But I can only imagine the entertainment he's been providing in the um, you know, the the Gruppetto every day. And the crowds love him. And Tomo, you talked about with Stewie one day, you know, wanting to bring Pogacar or one of those stars to the Tour Down Under. One of the best ones, and I've been going to the Tour Down Under for work and racing for the last, you know, we all have like 15 years. Um was when Peter Sagan was there. The the mm-hmm. entertainment that he mm-hmm. he brought to, you know, to that race was incredible. And so he's such a great figure in cycling. And so I think he'll he'll certainly be missed also for what he was able to achieve off the yeah. bike. And I put Pogacar in that same category, character, mm, personality. Yeah, it's the definitely. fans, it's all, what the fans want to see. All right, let's talk about the women. And uh the second edition of the Tour de France, women's Tour de France got underway. This year, the week-long race started in the city of Clermont-Ferrand. Big crowds for Stage 1. And uh, the Tour should be decided in the Pyrenees with the final stage climb to the top of the Col de Tourmalet. Uh, Tills Annemiek van Vluten starts as the defending title holder. Uh, but it was Lottie Kopecki who clinched Stage 1 honours. What's your assessment of how the Tour started? Uh, I think, um, look, I, I, I'm, the, the women should have the same criticism, criti- critical eye as we do approach to the men. So I would say that the start was bloody boring. Um, and that was just because of the way that the, um, the course had been planned out. There were no QOMs or sprint points or too many, um, hills within the start. So really I'd recommend to our fans to watch the last 30k if they're going to watch the, the stage one. But the last 30k was absolutely fantastic. And we saw cool. a lot of damage done I did not expect the damage to be done as much as it was it was a you know it was a a four minute climb that sort of came um 10k 15k maybe 10k from the finish uh, from memory but and that really did a lot of damage and we saw it we saw this tussle between the GC riders trying to drop the sprinters and the sprinters trying to hang on and then in the end it was the best ruler of the um the peloton in Lotta Capecchi looking absolutely marvellous in the Belgium cycling kit. Um, and, and, and the thing is she attacked in the last 500 metres when they saw that Lorena Weebus was dropping off the back. And I am disappointed that just no other GC rider tagged that. You cannot close a gap to Lotta Capecchi. They had to be on her wheel at the very – as soon as she went and they were just all a bit blocked in. And there was absolutely group two syndrome because what then starts happening is you've got riders, if they – Try to close down a Kopecky, then they're going to bring Lorena Weebus to the to the end as well, who is just going to roll them all. So you saw this real tussle, and that was my only disappointment. Is one of the GC riders could have just jumped on a, to Kopecky. It would have been very interesting if Kopecky would have taken them all the way and worked with them to give them some extra seconds. But in the end, like I absolutely love Lotta Kopecky. She's probably my favorite rider in the peloton. The way she rides, her grit, her determination, but then also the huge. Um, impact she's having on cycling in Belgium where they are historic um, patriarch dinosaurs sometimes in not um, supporting women's cycling. She has done more to grow cycling in Belgium, I would say, in the last uh, two years than Remco Evenpool. Um, and the amount of women cycling who are getting involved because of her and what she's providing has been incredible. So it was a fantastic stage and certainly absolutely deserved and a lot of Kopecky's in yellow. 
Would you say she is to cycling what Honan is to insurance? <laughs> Does everyone know? God, Honan? I hope you you deserved a free insurance policy out of those guys. Is that well, legal? Have I, have I have I told you about black sheep jerseys? Have we spoken about the new black sheep? I, I do know a little bit about them. Tell you what, finally they're racing, and WMN seamless bibs are back in stock. Thank God, finally Excellent. get on it. What about that um, new jersey, the blue and white one, that sort of marbly one? Surely that's going to sell out. Yeah, it's out. comfy. Comfy. Very I actually good. look quite good in that. Should do try say and get myself. Mike in one. Tomo, get, get us back one. on it. He's very, he's very daggy. <laughs> Listen, let's Sorry. talk about the uh, off off track as well. Well always, done, Hollywood. Hollywood. Well I've done. Got, I've got to good control this podcast every time he's on. Uh, listen, uh, the 11 Australians that are starting, that, that's really a strong number, isn't it, Tills? Uh, yeah, it really is, but it also really reflects where cycling is in Australia, uh, women's cycling. It was an incredible year last year, the number of women who were signed to professional teams. It is, you know, crazy to think some of the women that um, are at, at the tour, you know, I was racing here in the NRS, you know, beating and being beaten by, and now they're riding in the Tour de France. And so uh, it's not surprising the list that has you know, they all deserve that start. So, but just a true reflection of where women's cycling is. Uh, and I would say the one omission that is a little bit disappointing would be Brody Chapman, but that's because she has had yeah. a very difficult year. She's sick again. Um, since she's had COVID this year, she has struggled to stay healthy. And then she also had a pretty bad accident. So a bit of the national champ syndrome there, you know, a bit of bad luck. And so shame not to see those colors on the start list, but, uh, Probably Amanda Spratt is probably our best uh, chance um, in in Spratty. We trust. Yeah, Grace Brown. Mm. Oh, uh, I think we had we had GB on the pod. I think uh, her yes. her pick will be my her last stage, the last stage, the TT. We actually saw Grace lose time today. Um, she was about two minutes back from Lotta Kopecky, and I think that's just wow. the shock of coming. You know, she was in Australia a few weeks ago. She's travelled back over, just missing a bit of that edge, which she'll ride into over the next eight days. Mm. What about Annika Van Vluten? Do you think she can make it two in a row? Is she? Is she? Up well, let's it? let's pick a bet. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Um, I'm going to say Demi Bollering wins. Um, mm. and that is, I think Annemiek van Vluten will be a lot stronger than she was in the Vuelta against Demi, where Demi did drop her, but Annemiek makes too many mistakes that the peloton does not make the most of. Like the amount of time she's riding at the back of the peloton, she even got caught up in a crash today. Like she just... There's too many mistakes that she should be punished for, um, but I do think the team that Demi has around her, uh, I think she can go all the way. And and like Demi, I mean, sorry, like Jonas, Demi's put it all into this race. Uh, yes, yeah, she had some great success in the Ardennes and and during the classic season, but I I do expect, uh, yeah, I, I think Demi can go all the way. But I hope Van Vluten can push her all the way. Who do you think Hollywood? Oh, Annemiek Van Vluten, she'll just come alive on the Tumalay and just ride off on everyone and put like four minutes into everyone. She's just such a freak of a climber. She'll be all over her bike like a cheap suit looking terrible, but she'll just ride off. She's just I, I so tend, tough and tough. She's just tough. I tend to agree with you, Hollywood, but I'd like to think that Vollering has learned a lot 
from uh, the performance of last year's Women's Tour de France when uh, Anamik just blew everybody away on that final climb on the Petit Ballon. Uh, you'd like to think Vollering has uh, got her tactics in place. Yeah, uh, to try but I, I learn a lot Anamik. every week on the Hell Ride when I get blown up on Oliver's, but mm. I still don't make amends for it the following week. Anamik is such a beast of a climber. She mm. is just elite, elite. So, mm. look, I hope I'm wrong, but, um, mm. yeah, that's what I think. All right. Well, uh, we've just witnessed a great Tour de France. Hollywood, uh, before we uh, sign off, um, I'd like to think that uh, you are a man of uh, travel. You're a dedicated uh, follower of fashion, a man of culture. Yes. And yes. we've learned since you arrived in going, France mate? that you are a man of language. This is, I'll tell you where this is leading to, he- heading to, uh, Jules. <laughs> I just want to hear one more time the name, the f- the name of the famous boulevard where the Tour de France finished today. Oh, the Champs of Liais, and it goes yeah. around the Eiffel <laughs> Tron. Yeah. And also, the, the name of the well, arch on top honest. of the hill there. How do you say yeah, that? Yeah, the Arc de Tronc. Arc de Tronc. You're a bloody legend. We love you, Hollywood. We love you. Just quickly, my favourite thing in the tour was the course design. If I had to pick the best thing in the tour was the way they, uh, the route, how it was exciting from day one or stage oh, yeah. one. And the worst thing in the tour for me was the change of the green jersey because of Skoda to that insipid green. Mm. That was my worst thing in the tour. So that was my highs and lows of the tour. So, the course for the highs shit green jersey mm. for the lows and everyone says yeah. it today i was talking to you because i was bitching about it today and everyone it's agreed. rubbish it's absolute yeah. rubbish and they yeah. should t- surely change it. skoda change it because yeah. the way the reason why it is that green is because skoda the sponsor changed its own logo so surely they change it but um I mike i think it's such a good point about the course we don't we don't get that type of racing without you know the playground that they set and it sounds like they're going to keep that Mike, they're talking right. about going to the Alps within the first week uh, next year. And so I well, think talking about, yeah, talking about mm. courses, um, the women's course is extremely difficult. We've already started seeing gaps. So it's going to be a very, very spicy eight days, um, you know, no rest days. And so, yeah, I think it's, and because it's such a short tour compared to the men's, it means that every day, Will be will be exciting racing. So mm. yeah, I think I th- hopefully we can see the same in the women's tour. I think yeah, well. I think we'll look back on this year's tour uh, with fond memories. I mean, Vigagar, uh, uh, Pogacar, Wout Van Aert, Jai Hendley, and of course the Yates brothers. Uh, they really did light it up. And of course, yeah, uh, you, know, you know, I've been following this race since the early nineties, and for me, it's the television spectacle which makes it the most entertaining of all the Grand Tours. And sure, they say the Giro is probably uh, pound for pound a better Grand Tour, but we don't see it like we see the Tour de France. And it's the French broadcasters which has uh, captured the imagination of a global audience. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And and there's so many different... I think this year it also had a lot more different stories going on. Last year was really just the GC story, but there was a lot of side quests and a lot of, you know, second tier stories that kept it going. Like I love seeing that footage of the two Yates brothers yesterday when they were going... They had like... It it looked like you're seeing double. It was just very very crazy to, to watch sort of thing. And then, you know, Bora had such a good stage, even just to finish with the the upset today with Jordi Jordi Mess oh, yeah. um, Moose Jordy to see him <laughs> Jordi Mayo yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's um, well 
But I think to beat Jasper Philipson and, and like Bora, they should be extremely proud of the, the, the tour they had. But but this guy, Sam Bennett got dropped to yes. let him in and everyone was like, what the hell, why are you here? He'll never win a stage and then he wins the biggest one of the of the sprint for the sprinters on this tour. So a very exciting finish and um till the very end, which mm. I just absolutely love. So a true true finish to such an incredible grand stage and yeah, they can bring on the Vuelta, but before then, um, yeah, I can't believe we've got another eight days of this. Well, I just don't know what to do. I'm in a bit of a conundrum because Simon Clark's message being said, come out tonight to party. So I've got a choice to go out and party with him, but I've got an early Mate. morning flight to Mallorca tomorrow. So what do I do? Do I go Mallorca? out? Mate, you're going to Mallorca. You don't sleep. He's a man of travel. Sleep. He's you're a man of culture. Mallorca. He's a man, man of, of language. <laughs> man of language. <laughs> He's well-to-do. Let us... Oh, Go oh give God, Caleb Ewan a, a pep talk, please. <laughs> oh, God. I All think right, guys, uh, done that. Hey, listen, thanks for tuning <laughs> into the Domestiques. Thank you to Honan. Thank you to Black Sheep. We'll be back later in the week to check out the progress of the Tour de Femme. See you, guys. Bye for now. Domestics. The Domestics by Black Sheep Sideman.